Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they've built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. Join us every week as we talk ambition, determination, and success with some of the most interesting, powerful women in the Southeast and beyond. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Wealth Edit Wednesday. It's been a long summer and we've missed you so much. Oh, hold on. I'm going to make sure that I spotlight. Um, We have Ronnie Shima with us from Chima's Travel. She is a culinary and travel expert. And now, you know, I know that with the Delta variant, who knows, but I know that the number one thing Wealth Edit members always want to hear about is travel. That's just it. So um, I'd love for you to just tell us your story, how you created this beautiful company, um, and thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, and good morning, everyone. So uh, I am Ronnie Chima, uh, as um, you introduced me. I am a culinary travel specialist of Chima's Travel, and um, I started my business in 2016 after only two years of being in the luxury travel world, and it just came from a desire to be my own boss, not have to answer to anyone, um, and to design uh, travel for destinations that a lot of uh, requests that we weren't getting. So of course we get a lot of Italy requests, Venice, Florence, Rome, Venice, Florence, Rome. Maybe they surprise us with a Amalfi. There's nothing wrong with these places, but at some point it gets a little boring and I wanted to have some fun. So I branched off and started doing my own um, uh, niche is culinary travel. And then eventually I got to a point where I planned small group culinary trips. That's amazing. And so tell me why, like pairing the food with the travel, tell me about that. Yeah, that um, came because I used to work at the Food Network. I was an art director there for about five years. And um, I learned so much being there. Um, I had lamb properly cooked for the first time. So my mom, my mom's Puerto Rican and in Puerto Rico or just the Caribbean culture, nothing is rare or al dente or anything like that. It is overcooked, mushy. And if it's meat, it is extremely well done. And I asked, uh, so since I was an art director at the Food Network, um, I still didn't work with the design team. I worked with the the test kitchen because I did all the designs on set, all the fake food packaging that you saw. So I would have family meal for lunch with the kitchen staff and they asked me how I wanted my lamb done. And I said, so well done that it's burnt. And then it sounded like, uh, I always say it's like a, the cliche of a record scratching, a glass breaking, and a faint scream in the background. And they said, no, you're going to get it rare. Please trust us. And it was the most delicious thing. I had duck for the first time. I even learned what my food allergies were at the Food Network. Um, you learned the hard way. And I loved that. And I also missed working with chefs. So there was even a point where I didn't want to travel, do travel anymore. I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back to the Food Network, but my job actually didn't exist anymore because now it's all competitions, chopped. Iron Chef was always around, but it's all that um, reality show stuff. Um, 
So my position didn't exist. And I was like, wait a second, I can just focus on culinary travel and talk to the chefs and the, and the people at the Food Network that I worked with um, and see if I can send them anywhere. Uh, I never got to send them anywhere because <laughs> they're all um, uh, budget conscious. But um, yeah, now I have a lot of food enthusiasts in general, some chefs, um, baristas who want to work with me and do really interesting trips overseas. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so we got a question from the audience. So how did you um, get in with the Food Network? So obviously, for all of us out there that just are living normal lives, that sounds incredibly awesome. Okay, so this might get a little woo-woo, but it really was manifesting because at the age of 14, I sat on, I was watching 30 minute, 30 minute meals with Rachel Ray with my parents, and I saw the most hideous jar of sweet relish. It was hot pink and it said um, sweet relish in big blocky, almost like Greek fonts. Um, and then it had these weird green spiral curly cues on each end of it. I thought to myself, I could do a way better job. Who has that job? Never thought in, I'm not going to math right now, after college <laughs> that I would have that job because all I knew is I wanted to work at the Food Network. Thought yeah. about going to culinary school, um, uh, but art and design just was always the direction I was going in. And um, the Food Network, the then um, executive producer of many of the shows that were filmed in-house, uh, he only hired SBA students because he heard that SBA students, oh, School of Visual Arts is where I went, that they are like the best in the, um, the best uh, school for graphic design. So that's all they hired. I had actually worked at Spotco um, where I, it was an internship turned freelance job where we designed um, the Broadway posters. So Drowsy Chaperone, Avenue Q, I worked on all the rebrandings for them. Mm -hmm. And that was also my dream job. So uh, that was really exciting to have. But when the Food Network came up, I'm like, I'm doing it. It's, it's yeah. done. I have to do it. And it's just because I kept saying, I want to work at the Food Network. I don't know how that's going to happen. And I didn't think this particular job even existed. Mm. I just knew what I wanted my result to be. It was the Food Network. But I never even tried. And they sort of showed up in my world. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. My, but, um, our co-founder, Emily, who is on vacation this week, she says that she was talking about how she really wanted to go to France. And she's like, I just told everybody I knew that's a little different than you. Cause it sounds like the universe kind of came to you, but really telling people like, this is what I want to do. This is sort of my dream, my goal. It can really go somewhere. So anyway. I did the same thing this summer with Italy. I kept saying, I have to go to Italy before the cruise ships get in. I have to get to Italy before the hordes of tourists get in. It's going to yeah. be this summer. It's going to be this summer. And mind you, I made $247 last year during the pandemic. Oh, that was God. it. My partner, my romantic partner, and also my business partner is a person who has been supporting me through 2020 and the first half of this year. So I didn't know where the money was coming from. 
but I knew I needed to get my butt to Italy before summer of 2022. Sorry if you're already planning summer of 2022, but oh. it's going to be crazy next year. So I knew I needed to do it. And now I'm leaving next week to go to Italy. That's amazing. Okay. So tell me this, how did, so you, I did not know that from our pre-call, but you had, you made $247 during COVID. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell, kind of walk us through that because this is a lot of what happens in the small business ecosystem with women is like, we have to make these changes and we have to do them quickly. So sort of, what did you do? Tell us your, your last, you know, eight, 18 month story. Yeah. So, um, I, I've always had a small group trip to South Korea every year in 2000. So I started my business in 2016, 2017. I was like, I need to send people to South Korea. I lived there for a year. I've gone back a number of times. It's an amazing place, the food, the people, the landscape, all of it. And then, um, I didn't try to sell it. (laughs) I had it as this beautiful itinerary in 2017. I didn't try to sell it because there was all this, like, do I really know what I'm doing? Everyone right. in the industry told me it would take you 10 years to have your own business. And it took me two years. So I thought, of course, imposter syndrome, which now I'm like, that's, that's bull crap. That doesn't, it's not a thing right now. Um, and what it really is, is all the stories we're told, especially as women, when we're younger, um, what we're capable of, uh, what society expects of us. Um, but I, uh, in 2018, I was selling the trip and a Michelin star chef bought the trip and with a, and with a photographer from, with a publishing company, because she wanted to document her experience in South Korea. So I was like, great, done. I'm not going to try to sell any more seats on this trip. You can have the trip. It's, uh, um, it's all yours. And she documented it. But I still had my FIT clients. So slowly but surely, my business started, um, I started making more and more money each year. So it was first like $1,800, which I told you (laughs) that um, uh, I also had to pay $1,800 in penalties my first year. So I was like, great, that's how much I made. Uh, 2017, barely made anything because I didn't believe in myself. And I started working for other travel agents. 2018, it was close to uh, $4,000. I'm like, okay, I'm moving. 2019 was about $14,000. Like, boom, this is it. 2020 is going to be it. I'm going to focus all of my attention, uh, fire all of my FIT clients. Those are the um, foreign independent traveler. So those are just like a, a family or a couple or something. And Uh, I'm going to focus all my energy on the 2020 trips. 2020 is going to be my big launch. Um, I was selling seats. I was selling South, South South Korea was sold out. Um, Portugal was, because I've known for South Korea, Portugal was kind of on the rise. I was selling seats for Galicia. And then all of a sudden this happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had, and the Korea trip was meant to go off in the beginning of April. And the mid March, that's when the lockdown started to happen. Mm-hmm. And I had to, uh, I just said, Hey, we're going to postpone this because I'm sure it's just a flu. It's just another flu. Uh, not realizing it is a flu, but like a horrific one. And, um, 
I postponed it and then I had to refund everyone. And this was money because my trips are non-refundable because I'm not a DMC. I'm not a tour operator. I'm a travel agent. Um, I invested that money into my business already and then had to refund everyone. So my partner had to jump in and help me pay these people back. Um, everyone else had refunds, but it was the South Korea travelers who did not want me to cancel. They begged me to not cancel. I'm like, they're like, we actually feel safer in South Korea than we do in the United States. Can we please go there? I'm just like, I can't be held reliable. Um, so I had to cancel all my trips. I was really depressed because it was supposed to be the big year. Um, I'm already now in debt and uh, to not just the world, but also to my partner. And um, I refuse. So this is how I, I use this analogy. When you have a business, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. A lot of people allowed their baby to starve in 2020. And not because they couldn't get the business, but because they gave up hope. Mm-hmm. I refuse to allow that to happen. So um, I got an investment. Um, I invested it in my website, hiring a graphic designer, hiring a web designer. I hired a sales copywriting coach and um, I ended up hiring a PR agency this year, uh, in the beginning of this year. And I was afraid because I was like, I have all this money, this investment money. Yes, it's for my business, but what if? It's a waste of money, a waste of time. I was like, no, I want, I need a new logo. I need a new brand. I can do it myself, but I didn't have the mental capacity to do it. So I outsourced. And um, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I did because my website based on just the design and branding alone is attracting people. They're, They're like, oh, this is a really beautiful logo. Like, this is a really beautiful website. I can see everything now. It's so clean and clear. And I just kept feeding my baby, (laughs) feeding it money, feeding it love, uh, sending it like designers and putting a beautiful new dress on it. Um, And I think that's, that's the thing that really helped me um, with where I am now, because this is the most successful year that I've ever had in my business. Um, But there's always still that little bit of fear that exists, but it's much more quiet than the excitement and the hopefulness. You have described pretty much perfectly. We have this course called the comeback theory. And, you know, we're, Emily and I are investment advisors by day, wealth edit, um, errs by night, I guess. Uh, But really we talk about how, like, when things are going really great, I'll kind of like draw this, when things are going really great, like that's actually when you hold all the risk, like, the risk is all there. And that's when you should really be evaluating with your own business or your family finances or whatever. Hey, there's probably like a lot of risk here. Um, how are we going to do if things go south, even if it's just for a moment? And so then it's like when things drop exactly what you described, like it's more of a confidence issue or like you're just feeling so deflated that you actually like mis- misplace the risk. The risk when you're down here it's already gone. Like you have no, like you're only like, what's such a gift about being down here is that you have lots of options. Like you are only trending up. Like if you're here, you're trending up again. And that's how the market moves. Like it moves like that. That's how women's careers move because we have to take time off for 
a number of reasons. Maybe it's to take care of a family member. Maybe it's to, you know, have children or pause. Maybe your career plateaus for a reason or another. But like when you're down here and you feed your baby, like what you're talking about is actually when the magic happens. That's when things can really propel. There was a study done during the last recession of female business owners in the last 2007, 2009 time period. And when they they interviewed them, them during the recession, and then they interviewed them four years later, the businesses were still open, but they were smaller with less staff and less revenue because they did everything they could to just hold on to what they had versus like really doubling down and saying like, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make it through this. This is a tough time, but I see lots of new opportunities. I have a friend who has a food business and she's done this exceptionally well. She started three new business lines during COVID. Um, you know, you can, you really have that moment. And so I love your story because I feel like it's so encouraging in that way that like you can do it even like women can do hard things. We, we really can. And I feel like that's what happened. Um, what's happening right now. I have this fear of uh, spending my money or paying myself because what if this thing happens? But it's, oh, ah, this is the first time I'm describing this. Okay, it's, it's almost as if it's a story that I've heard that I'm trained to believe, but there's this new level of, consciousness that I have that it's so quiet in the background that even though I say I'm afraid to touch this money, I've hired someone. <laughs> and it's because I needed to hire somebody to help me because travel right now is so overwhelming. And I hired someone who's smarter than me, more organized than me, because I can't see the faces, but I'm pointing at everyone who's on the Zoom call. Um, yeah, I hired someone who's smarter than me, more organized, um, someone who asks a lot of questions because now they're, and they're relatively new to the industry. They started their business in January of 2020. They went from being a chef and hospitality in general to being um, a travel consultant. And uh, all of 2020, I was, do, really doing my best to convince her that you do, shouldn't go back into uh, the culinary world. Please just stick this out. It's going to be so worth it. This is what you wanted. So um, I took her on as a mentee, mentee, mentee. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a mentee. I'm her mentor. And now I've just brought her on as a freelancer really, because um, I can't pay a salary. So it's like project-based which is easier for me too. And that's the other thing, it's making it work. Okay, I can't give her a salary. Um, so I'm gonna hire as a freelancer. And um, based on this particular project, this is how much I'll pay her, which is either my full trip planning service fee, she can have that, or she can have all the commission. And I give her that option of what she wants to do. For her, she thinks it's more of an educational thing, but I like to pay people because we all need to be getting paid. So she calls it an internship. I'm like, fine. It's a very high end paying internship. If that's what you want to call it. 
That's hilarious. Well, I just love that. I mean, I think, and that's another thing too. Like if you're trying different things in your business, hire people on a temporary, like you don't have to, I think that people get these blocks, right? Like you think, oh gosh, like I can't afford to salary this person. Well, maybe that's true. You can't afford to salary them, but like you could afford to bring them on, on a project basis or an hourly basis to like help sort of dip your toe in. It's actually a wonderful thing because then you get to know if culturally they're a fit for your company. You know, there's some really great benefits in that. So mm -hmm. I love that. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit about some of your, okay. So you said 2022 is going to be the big year. So help us because we're <laughs> all feeling like all of the COVID vibes right now, you know, and we're like, we can't possibly go and do this again. So give us, cast a vision for us for what this is going to look like. Sure. After what travel is going to look like, correct? Yes. Okay. What you're going to do, like, what are you yeah. looking forward to do? Help us get really excited. That's what I need. So, oh no, get you really excited. Okay. So I won't talk about what travel looks like the next couple of years. Um, I guess, you know, no, it's hopeful because of course, 2020, so, um, a friend of mine, Catalina, who is the, um, co-founder of, co-founder and CEO of El Camino Travel, she said, what'd she say? <laughs> uh, travel, oh man, I lost my thought. Okay. I'll come back to it. Um. Anyway, that travel in general, uh, the way it was in 2019, mm -hmm. that was the busiest travel year in uh, history, in travel history. Um, it was the most money spent, particularly by Americans. Um, so that was really optimistic because that means um, people are making more money. Right. Um, and like when they say there's more billionaires in the world, I feel like it goes to a really dark place. These are billionaires that are hoarding money and whatever. It's, it's no, I think there's, um, people who, uh, believe in themselves more, who are taking chances and risks and realizing too, like, again, the old mentality in the travel agency world with travel agents is you got to work hard. You won't have your own business for 10 years. And if you're, if you work with someone who's more senior than you, you can inherit their business when they retire or pass away. Mm. And I've been told so many times, Ronnie, you hit the jackpot with working with this particular person my first year. And I'm like, oh, so I got to wait till she dies for me to get my own business? No. So I already feel like, and this is where that entitlement comes from with millennials, zennials, and is it X, <laughs> X factor? What are they called? The people, <laughs> the ones behind us? Oh, Jenner, can we just call him Gen X? Is that Gen X. Right? Is it? No, yeah. Gen X. X is in millennials. It's Z. No, no. Okay. So I'm talking about millennials, Zennials in uh -huh. between. Okay. And then the ones that are the youngest, um, Zs. Yeah. I think they're the Zs. Um, these are people who, not that they're in, they're entitled in a sense of they know what they're worth. Mm -hmm. They know what they want. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to let anyone stop them from getting the thing. If right. that, okay. So anyway, that's why 2019, I believe was booming and millennials, zennials. Uh, I believe that's a real thing. I'm a zennial. Um, they are um, the ones who were making the money. They were hiring travel agents more than their parents or grant, like really their parents were. 
So when 2020 hit, there were so many travel agents who were like, oh my God, this is it. 2019 was the best year I've ever had in my 30 years of um, working. And then boom, this happened. So there was a lot of devastation, but a lot of the agents also realized how overworked they had been. Some of them were like, oh my God, I've never hung out with my wife. She's awesome. Like I wake up at seven, I leave the office at seven, I get home and I work from home. And now like, so there's some people were really depressed, but there seems like there was this, again, this hopefulness and this worthiness. Cause now a lot of agents are tra- charging more fees than they have been before. Right. So what the industry is saying 2025 is when they believe the travel would be where it was in 2019. And that's okay. because right now airlines don't have, um, the pilots, they don't have the flight attendants. Um, oh. Yeah. All right. I'll leave that part out. (laughs) Um, uh, They don't have the flight attendants. I'm just going to say they are really bending backwards on their rules and requirements for flight attendants because they need them so badly. Um, Same with hospitality, with with hotels too, hiring people. They don't want to come in. Restaurants need people. So, um, so that's that. So travel right now is going to be for professional travelers. People, I just did an Instagram story about this. People who have used a public restroom in India. They have slept in, they backpacked through Bangladesh and they slept in a ditch with a blanket. They understand that the world is not Disneyland. It's not their personal Disneyland. Um, Picky eaters, high maintenance, all that. This is not the time for them to travel. And it's going to be this way even up until 2022, 2023, because Americans, we have our vaccines, but other places around the world don't. So even if you go to South Africa and you have this, you pay, you have a high budget for a luxury experience, um, you're still not going to get the kind of service you would have expected. So it really is a time for people who are professional travelers who have backpacked, who have done the luxury, who have done all the in-between. Um, And then when it comes to, yeah, when it just comes to business, like right now, it's my most successful year. I don't think any of us expected that. Um, Right now, I'm technically, I've been planning travel, but I don't get my commissions or payments or anything until August 15th. Yeah. So starting August 15th up until December, $79,000 Yeah. about, give or take, that's revenue. That doesn't count the taxes. I have to pay my host agency. <laughs> I have to pay this person. I think at the end of it, I'm going to get 30,000. But yeah. last year was 246, seven, yeah. give or take so a couple of bucks. That's a pretty good increase year over year. Mm-hmm, exactly. Awesome. Well, and next year I foresee over a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred and sixty ish, depending on how the group trips go for next year. That's amazing. Well, I just love your story. I've just loved getting to know you on here. Tell us the one thing you said, tell us when you were talking to your family about going into travel. Oh my God. Uh, my family, they love me. I mean, all of our parents love us. Okay. Um, but they, what they think is best for you is based off of their own insecurities, their fears, and their scarcity mindset. When I went to art school, they were like, oh, great. She's going to live with us forever. And my parents, my dad would never tell people I went to art school. He'd say, oh, she goes to university. I think she's studying engineering. I don't know. 
but that was his story. He wanted to, he wanted to be an engineer. Um, and then I got the job at the food network. And then he's like, my daughter went to art school. She works at the food network. Da, 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 da. And I left the food network and they were like, great. She's going to move in with us. (laughs) But no, I picked up design jobs around the world. Um, realized those weren't for me. I just wanted to travel. Then um, there was a point where I did live with my parents for about eight months um, in their co-op and slept on a cot behind their sofa. And there was a lot of this for another podcast, I guess. There was just a lot of like, I'm an adult now. I'm 30, 31. I have to get a real job. I have to get married. I have to buy a house. I can't have fun anymore the way I was having in my twenties with my money and traveling and all this stuff. So that had lodged itself into my brain and it really effed me up for like the next couple of years. Then I went into travel. My parents were like, why can't you just get a real job? Why? Like you spent all of your money on traveling already, which I did, by the way, because I would always replenish my bank account and then blow it all, replenish, blow it all, because they ne- no one ever told me how to save money. Um, it's definitely a privilege that immigrant like kids don't have. Um, uh, kids of immigrant parents don't have, and uh, they just said save your money for a house, but I'd blow it all on incredible meals and also travel. Um, but it wasn't until, um, oh, and then when I was traveling for work, they still thought I was spending my own money. They didn't understand these were free trips. And then it wasn't until I planned their own vacation that they saw, oh, Ronnie does this for a living. And I spent the last pretty much three months, uh, April, late April into mid-June, July, in New York with my parents, um, because I hadn't seen them in so long, we're all vaccinated, went to go see them. And they heard me ringing my sales bell. I have a a sales bell that's a a smiley face, a yellow one with a smiley face. Every time I make a sale, I hit it. My dad was very annoyed, but also (laughs) he understood. I would have hit it once. I I have time to go pick it up. Yeah, I'll go grab it. It's right here. That is awesome. That is the best. I think you saw that I'm still wearing my pajama bottoms. I wore my really, my best top and then pajama bottoms. Um, But yeah, so I was banging it. At some point, I asked my mom if she wanted to hit the bell, um, mostly for the the group trips. And then when I sold out my Portugal trip, I was in tears. I was crying. I was so happy. This bell, I had my mom hit it. I had my dad hit it. And my mom's like, how much did you make then from that trip? And I'm like, before I get all the things I have to pay for $16,000 on this one yeah. trip. And my dad's like, really? How does that happen? And I told him how it works and how it happens. And I think that was it. And my mom even said, I didn't realize you had your own business. I'm like, really? What did you think I was doing this whole time? So, and we hope that you come back again. That's an awesome story. And, you know, there's so many times in life where people will give you really sincere advice 
it doesn't necessarily mean it's good advice, but it's extremely sincere. And it's, you know, like it's the people that love us the very most. So, you know, follow what your gut is telling you just like you have. I mean, that's like, it's such a good story and it's so wonderful. And we're so glad that you're. There's one last thing I want to say with the food network, that transition from leaving the food network and then going, going to do miscellaneous (laughs) because I figured it out eventually, but when I left the Food Network, the morning that I woke up every single morning for five years, I loved waking up. I loved going to work. I loved my coworkers. I loved everything about it. It was my dream come true, making a ton of money too. And then I just woke up one morning and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. That same day I gave them my two months notice and I emailed everyone I had ever who's on my contact list it uh, in gmail it was like even old craigslist ads <laughs> an old landlord ex-lovers ex-boyfriends best friends anyone who was there and i just sent this email out and i said hey everyone i'm leaving the food network um it's gonna wrap up in about two months if there's any job that you think that comes up any opportunity that comes up doesn't matter what it is don't assume it has to be designed if you think of me let me know. Cause who knows? Just let me know. The response I got was you're insane. There's a recession. Uh, we're having, everyone's having a hard time finding work. You're wow. getting, you're making so much money. You have a dream job. You have it easy. This and that. Da, 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 da. I did not allow that to, uh, embed itself into my brain and alter my decision. I knew I needed to trust my gut. My gut is my brain. The gut does not fail you. And after that, I ended up having all these other opportunities. And uh, not even a year later, my position no longer existed at the Food Network. So... So you knew mm-hmm. with women is like, we, there, it is never too late just because that was your dream. Doesn't mean that has to be your dream for the rest of your life. I mean, yeah. it is never too late for a do-over. And anyway, you just really like bless us with this story. This is an awesome story. So, um, okay. One more question before we wrap up. Um, and if anyone has questions, you can pop them in the chat, but why did you say yes to the wealth edit? <laughs> I love this question. Uh, because we need to talk about money. Everyone needs to talk about money. And the more we talk about it, the less uncomfortable we are. And I I truly believe that we will make more money when we talk about it and we get rid of that discomfort uh, or that, uh, I keep saying the scarcity mindset around money and abundance and things like that. Um, I constantly tell people how much my fee is and their response is, oh my gosh, that's so high. Like really, because my clients are shocked at how low it is. So what's happening in your mind, in your world that you don't think you're worth it because you're totally worth it. And I've been doing a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching. I have like so many coaches, therapy. um, I've even microdosed to help me get through a lot of depression and a lot of the, the blocks that I have. And using the word courage, just having the courage right there is like a, a slingshot to your dream, into the stars, into, into the goal that you, you want, just having the courage 
to talk about money, to talk about your dreams, to talk about the things you love and where you want to be is so, so important. And that's why I'm here because if I could share my, my story, my highs, my extreme lows with anyone and they can see where I'm at right now and, yeah. you know, feel hopeful and know that, that this could be them too. Cause it totally can be them. You know, I, this is my way of being of service. Well, I, we are so grateful for you. Thank you so, so much. And we hope you'll come on again. Yes, I'd love to. I have so many stories. <laughs> like a travel state of the union. You can tell us how it's going. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay, thank you. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.